0: The Fix Network. Hello and welcome to episode 256 of the Filmmakers Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk filmmaking from indie film to studio films and everything in between. How to get them made, how to make them and how to try not to F it up. In a very, very humble opinion. I am Giles Alderson. I am a screenwriter. Uh, I co-wrote The Dare with Johnny Grant. I am a producer. Uh, produced uh, Serial Killer's Guide to Life, which is out now on Sky Movies, as is Repeat, which I also produced. You can watch that now. Uh, and I'm a director. I directed The Dare, Arthur and Merlin, um, which are both available on various streaming platforms, which I think are on prime at the moment and the stranger in our bed which will be out later in 2022 and walls of war which we have just delivered the second cut of uh, and we're now moving towards the sound mix stage score is being done the effects are being done and um, we should be delivering that sometime early next year fingers crossed that might be out around the summer how exciting i am also the director and producer of the documentary world of darkness which is on prime and we're on the final stages of post of our documentary food for thought all about the plant-based living the environment and how you can make a difference Uh, so that should be with us in 2022 fingers crossed and i also produced three day millionaire which is just starting its post production run now a couple of pickups to do on that early next year as well it is i'm saying early next year because technically now we are in 2021 but when you listen to this we might be in 2022 because it's only a few days away new year's eve i hope you've had a wonderful christmas whatever you have been doing uh, and i hope you had a lovely time with your families if you could see them and i hope you settled in and listened to our christmas special a quiz special If you did listen, you know who won the quiz. Uh, If you haven't yet, then do. It's fun because we don't just do a quiz, we go deep into... What we thought about this year, our favourite films of this year, our favourite podcasts. We do a rundown of the top 10 podcasts of the year as well. And we give some advice for filmmakers. So it is worth listening to. It's not just us messing around, though there is a lot of that. I really enjoyed recording it. Some amazing people who've helped me all year to get the podcast where it is by co-hosting with me. And I really appreciate that. So it was really fun. So if you haven't listened, do go listen to that and the Phil Barantini episode from last week, all about his film Boiling Point, which is out in January the 7th. But today we are talking with Ben Mole and Luke Bailey, the screenwriter of Crazy Code of Silence and Ben Mole is a director and the film is out now. It's literally just come out. It's on DVD and on so many platforms all around the world right now and you can watch it. The link will be in the show notes. I was joined by the producer of that movie and fellow host Listen to Rhodes' Takra And we sat down with Ben and Luke And talked all about How Kray's Code of Silence came about We also talked about Why do another Craze movie And their collaboration Of writing together We talk about why indie films Have no time to create And how you fail by being Brave. We also dive into treatments. How do you do them? Screenwriting. Luke goes into depth into his screenwriting process and the importance of concentrating on story rather than effect. Lucinda talks about the labour of love she has for this film and how much she put into it. And we talk about why filmmaking is traumatic. Ben talks about directing techniques. And we talk about rolling the dice. That's this week's episode with Ben Mole and Luke Bailey and Lucinda Rhodes Tacra talking about their film, Cray's Code of Silence. Like I say, link to that is in the show notes. Do do. Go support indie films and do go watch it. This is our last episode of the year. I do hope you've enjoyed our podcast for this 2021. It is only going to get better in 2022. I say that, I have no idea. It might not. It's just what people say. <laughs> Some of our guests coming up include the fantastic director of Atonement and the brand new movie, Serrano, Joe Wright. Yes, the Pride and Prejudice director, he is joining us. As well as the star of Serrano, Peter Dinklage. Oh yeah. Plus... Christy Wilson Cairns I know we've been saying that She's the screenwriter of 1917 And Last Night in Soho We have been trying to get her on For the last I don't know Month Myself and Dom LeMoir But She is going to join us She said she will Hopefully we're recording that Early next year Also Joining us very soon Is Chloe Chudasama And Leroy Kincaid Talking about their Brilliant indie film The Last Right They'll be joining us soon As will Live events From AFM And from Kino both live recorded live really fun they're coming up as well i'm hoping special guests including ian mckellen yep i said that fingers crossed we are going to get sir ian on hopefully i'm recording that early in january and lily james fingers crossed for all those people we are going into our fifth year of this if you do like this please tell your friends that's how we grow that's why i keep doing this that's why all the hosts keep doing this because not only do we love chatting with each other and talking to amazing filmmakers about how they make their films but because it inspires you a lot and i get so many lovely tweets and uh, messages on twitter and the social media for that and on emails as well so thank you all those who have done that really really do appreciate it because sometimes you think why are we doing this And then you remember why we're inspiring you um it's inspiring me as well and i wish i had this when i first started making films so take from this what you can what you will but know we are doing our best to provide some inspiration and some knowledge for you out there so like i say if you do like this tell your pals but also go on itunes and give us a nice review it'll look really cool if we've got one for 2022 Right, so as soon as January the 1st goes, please go up there if you haven't yet already and write us a really brilliant five-star review. It'll look great. Honestly, more numbers will come because of that and we'll grow because of that. And then more PR companies come to us, which means we get bigger and better guests as well as our amazing indie filmmakers. So I hope you've had a fantastic Christmas, wherever you are. If you have struggled this year and if you're struggling now, my thoughts are with you. I really believe uh, that you can get through this and you can go and make your film. You can do it. I know at times it feels dark and depressing and tough, and you keep constantly hitting brick walls. But it took me 10 years to make my feature film. And it took me 10 years to break down those barriers. And you can too. You can do it quicker than that. You've got all these resources now. You know so much more than I did. I failed by having to just go for it. You can fail by knowing the knowledge and then realizing that that wasn't the right journey for you. That wasn't the right person for you. You can change quicker. You can do it quicker if you need to, if you want to. But do you know what? The 10 years was right for me because I was ready then to make my feature. So don't lose heart. Don't lose hope. Dive into 2022. Believe in yourself. Believe in your project and go make it happen. Go do it. Right. Here we are. This is this week's episode with the fantastic Ben Mole and... The delightful Luke Bailey joining myself and Lucinda rhodes Tacker to talk all about their film, Craze Code of Silence. The sound is a little bit patchy in places. Uh, Toby's done a brilliant job to try and make it work. Lucinda had to record on her iPad because she wasn't at home at the time. And I think my microphone drops out a couple of times. Hey, technology these days, we're just using what we can. I just blame technology. I blame ourselves, it's our fault. But just bear that in mind, the sound is occasionally up and down, but there's still so much fantastic information that you hopefully won't even notice sit back relax have loads of vegan mince pies (laughs) but not too many look after yourself and we'll see you in 2022 enjoy Buddy, how are you? Yeah, really good. Great. Good. Hey, Luke. How you doing? Hey, Luke. Hiya. How's it going? How yeah. you doing? Yeah, not bad. It's a long time, Giles. It is, isn't it? How many times did we meet? We met, like did we meet on a film or a job what, or? Did we I was just...
1: trying to work this out earlier I definitely hmm. know we played football a few, fair few times together and I was right. trying to work out okay. which I was thinking like okay, was there a job first because I know or, or did we meet on a job afterwards because I, I was actually weirdly enough worked with this, almost exactly this time last year I was working with Mr Little I, I did a Death oh. in Paradise yeah I did a couple oh, of episodes nice. of Death in Paradise yeah. with Ralph Little yeah while yeah. I was writing the first draft of this in fact so yeah so it's a kind of like a weird cyclical okay.
0: Yeah. so. Look, so um, you mentioned there, Luke. Actually, you started writing this a year ago. Today, were you writing that when you were on set of Death and Paradise? Not
1: while I was actually on set. That right, would okay. be. I mean, it's, it's something I should try in the future. It's been known. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I've done
0: it. I was I was doing a play that I, oh, I had some musical or whatever, and I was writing plays in the evening, and it was so hard, but it focused my brain. Like people were going out for drinks, so I was like, no, no, oh, I must yeah. finish
1: this play. Yeah, there's um, none of no no drinking, no having fun in the Caribbean. Um, everyone no, kept talking to imagine. me afterwards, <laughs> saying, um, "Oh, I bet it was amazing. But you did loads of stuff." And I was like, "Yeah, I was sat in a hotel room looking at this." Beautiful vista, watching all the other members of cast sort of you know drinking their uh, um, tequila sunrises or whatever on this lovely veranda or by the beach and stuff, and I was just sat inside, kind of watching all of this unfold while I was writing the script,
2: writing this depressing drama set it's in grey, rainy like, oh. England. <laughs> Indeed, That's uh, so it, like Indeed. casting
1: my mind back to smoggy, uh, smoggy yeah. London in the uh, 60s.
0: I mean, absolutely. Um, well, how did it come about then? Because, you know, th- so anything around the craze in that world is kind of a cool world, right, for both you, Ben and Luke. And suddenly, you, you, you know, like you say, you're in the Caribbean, and then you're writing about this, you know, in the 60s in London. But that, the difference in that must have been amazing. But also, you know, where, where did it, how come this came to you, Ben and uh, Luke? Why why this project? Why Code of Silence? Why want to do something else about the craze? Because I, I love it. I think it's a fascinating subject. And I think, you know, and many films have been made on it, but yet your story is so much more interesting. It's so fascinating to see this side of it and I loved it I think it's a really well made film I love the transitions I loved how it was written I love the performances I think it's great but how did it come to you how did it come about in the first place Luke
3: can you remember was I first or were you first on it I can't even
0: I can't remember back
3: that far I think you Lucinda you'll know because you hired us who was who was the first one well actually I say with my fingers crossed Lucinda do you know
2: (laughs) I do I hired you well I had um, <laughs> brilliant well done, Ben. Um, so I had some uh, you know financiers call me to say um, they wanted to make a movie about the Grey Twins. and I kind of went mm. no, I don't fancy it. I love the story, I'm really fascinated, I know a lot about it, but no, I'm it's, it's not for me. And I put the phone sure. down. And then I spoke to Jeet, um, my producing partner, as you know, at Picture Perfect, and we said, well, you know, maybe there is a different angle. Mm. And I mentioned it lightly to Ben, I think. And Ben, you know, you, you had your head in something else, so you went, yeah, yeah, let's let's pick it up later. And then I picked up the phone to Luke and said, Luke, what can we do? So it kind of came about like that. It was a conversation. I always wanted to work with Luke. I've worked with Ben before, many times. He's a wonderful director. And I always wanted to work with Luke as well. So, and Luke's a great writer. So I thought this could be the first movie to do with the three of us. Would you be nice? So I called Luke and went, oh, what do you think? something about the trial or, you know, Luke knows a lot about it. And also he's, he's from the local area. So Luke came up with a good few ideas and then we settled, I think we've been on this, on this angle of, of, of Nippa and the story that hasn't really been told in a movie.
1: Well, that was quite yeah. important, I think, wasn't it, Lucinda? Was like sort of, there, there's a, a lot in the sort of pantheon or of, uh, well, the canon of the craze. Um, and it's quite, it sort of felt like it was quite saturated or is quite saturated. So it was quite from the offset. We were quite clear on wanting to look at the story from a completely different angle. And also mm. I think, I don't know if we were talking, if I was talking about this with you, Ben, when we very first sort of started um, getting in touch with each other, but it was just this idea that there's like a mythology around the craze now, Um, almost like, you know, you kind of got the Robin Hoods and the King Arthurs and the Mm -hmm. Celtic mythology of the Mabinogion and stuff like that. And I sort of feel like it's a modern kind of folk story. And I kind of wanted to maybe paint this. Palette within that If that makes sense It's like a Mm. Part of this This growing Sort of folklore If that makes sense We wanted to be The sort of first part Of the mythology Of the creators If that makes sense
2: You didn't want to glorify them either I think that was a conversation That we had
1: Yeah because so much Has sort of been done As them being the protagonists Hasn't it and um, who's the uh, who's the MP who was talking about it recently? Mick uh, yeah. Fletcher. And I, I thought that was quite funny when he mentioned sort of the craze being, uh, you know, not being being sort of people's only role models left. And yeah, was wasn't kind of thinking, that weird? Like, we've sort yeah. of done the you know we've helped you out there nick we've we've not made the craze the role models (laughs) then they're they're not the anti-heroes or the protagonists of our tale they're most definitely the monsters
3: yeah well hopefully we'll talk about a bit about that in a minute because Mm. one of the big things we well we'll talk about it later but one of the things we wanted to do was there was a wonderful actor on the show called max Rottersley, and he uh we were shooting this scene in the rain, in the mud. They're beating up this character that happens at the beginning of the film to set up this, how grim this world is. And he turned to me between a take. He said, "You know what, Ben? It was a really dirty business, wasn't it? On both sides of the of the yeah. uh, ball, on the, on the on the on the gangster side and on the cop side. And they were playing a dirty game. And it was really sh- well, one of the things we want always wanted to do was show how that it was a violent, horrible, dirty game that that." that that this was based upon that has now become this mythology yeah. with that mythology as well, because once you start to get a myth going, you can start to play within it. So you can start, you don't have to do a sort of documentary style list of events that happened around a certain date. That's you can it. start to get a bit play, more playful with, within a sort of almost Alice in Wonderland myth, Robin Hood, mm. you know, like, all, all the myth stuff. And it was really great, really cinematic as well to be able to do that rather than just knock out events like you'd get in a sort of, you know, documentary list or a book about what the craze did.
0: Yeah, and I think that's where you've hit the bullseye here. I think you could easily have just done another craze film. You could have done another British gangster film set in the 60s, lots of geezers going around killing people. And I think what's so clever about this is the fact that it is a drama. It's an actor's piece. It is this... Uh you know, chamber piece of people in a melting pot and can they save the day? And it's, it's really cleverly done and written. And I think, you know, certainly for, you know, you look at indie filmmakers now and how difficult it is to sort of break through and do something a bit different. And the fact that you've done this on a budget and it's coming, and, and it looks stunning as well. The location was outrageously good. I've heard stories that it was tough in there, but the fact is, it looks amazing. And that, to me, is you know at the end of the day, that's what matters. You know, it it really is. And I think you've, like I say, I think you've hit the jackpot here. I think you've hit the nail on the head by doing something that was different. It's a crazy movie, but it's not a crazy movie. It happens, it's a nipper story about a detective at the time or a police officer at the time trying to uh, arrest some wronguns. You know, and and that's really. Cool. Cool. The, the other thing there, Giles, that was you, you mentioned the acting, the, mm. the
3: script, Luke's script to go into that other sort of magical real place and to play a drama within the mythology of the craze meant that we could punch above our weight in hiring the most amazing actors who wanted to come mm-hmm. and play with us. Really good. The number of times, and I'm, I, you know, Luke would never say this on a podcast, but I'm going to say it for him. The number of times while we were filming that A list actors, of which Stephen Moyer is and other absolutely top of their game actors will come up to me and say, you know, I just love Luke's Script. That's why I'm here. I'm really mm-hmm. loving playing this. I'd have never done a, you know, slap them in the face, craze gangster movie, but I'm absolutely loving doing this. And it's all down to Luke's Script. Can I, I interject? Stephen him. Moyer said to me once, I love that boy- I love that boy's mind. Can I interject slightly, Ben? Because I think
1: I think it's <laughs> I think it's only fair. To say mm-hmm. how much of a collaboration this script was, as well. So there are certain, right. there were like so there were moments when I was sort of watching it and uh, uh, and I was and I was kind of like oh that bit really worked and uh-huh. we'd had discussions about it and I was you know bits that we weren't sure were going to work sort of in the writing it but, but then when it comes out into the film, and I'm like sort of me and Ben were going back and forth quite a lot and we would you know we were changing stuff and editing stuff and 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 we were both throwing in ideas at different points and Ben would give me an idea and I would run with it. And then I would, Say something right, something, and Ben would come back and go, Yeah, and then this and that. And you know, it was very much a, and what if, and what if, and what if. So, so, so you can't just throw all of the praise on me like that, Ben, because <laughs> genuinely you deserve at least 75, 80, 90% of that,
0: my man.
2: Oh, look at you too. I know, this isn't is this nice?
0: Yeah, I loved it. Yeah. It if you, if you, if you just went, No, you at least deserve 7%. Eight yeah, <laughs> percent <90%, laughs>
1: Sorry, not 80, that was eight. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs>
2: So, guys, you, you're you obviously writers in, in, in your own right. You know, Ben's a writer, director, Luke, writer, actor, um, musician, extraordinaire. So how did you find <laughs> collaborating? <laughs> no, Got beatbox again. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> how did you find um, working, you know, on a collaboration with another writer? It, 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 I thought you two would, when I put you together, I thought it would work um, because I both know you very well. And I just wondered how, because we didn't, talk about that at all um I hope i didn't just stick you two together and it you know didn't work
1: <laughs> well i think the proof's in the pudding you know in in one respect um like personally i enjoyed that as you know what i was just talking about just then the, the kind of throwing throwing the ball to ben ben juggling with it for you know a few moments throwing it back we had some really lovely um phone conversations where we'd be on the phone for a few hours just and what about this? Oh yeah, brilliant! And then and then that yeah, that's great. Would that work if you know? And just constantly sort of. I really really enjoyed that. The I suppose the only downside of that would be sort of the time we had to, to turn it around. Mm. You know that 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 has to be sort of acknowledged. I think you know we were really, you know, up against it um, a lot of the time, and bec- and because of COVID and because of the sort of all the stresses around that, and 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 so I, I sort of feel like um, I think that brought that sort of pressure as well, maybe created some sort of creative diamonds you know things where we basically mm-hmm. had to go but well, we've not got you know either the budget the time the the location or whatever you know whatever it might be and we need to come up with a solution for this and i sort of feel like in that pressure at the time it was very stressful but i think mm-hmm. in the sort of the overall piece and when you look at it back you kind of go oh, okay now that actually really worked and i think it sort of helped and i think that's where creativity uh, in these scenarios actually Comes to the fore.
3: I think there's a good uh, thing for your listeners as well, who often are mm. you know in indie film, maybe make up to, coming up to make their first films or their sophomore films or their third or fourth films in the indie world. And mm-hmm. that is, we always talk about indie films' budgets somehow being the schedule being tight, or the costumes, or the number of cast, or the or the days, or the VFX. Often, is a big you know all these sort of things come up and luke's absolutely right development is one of those things and that often gets forgotten that that also gets compressed on an indie film budget because you know you don't have the time to get people for six months not doing anything else as luke said he was in another tv show in the caribbean yeah there's it's a real that's one of the really that's that's why every indie film that gets out there that gets made and is is good is a real achievement because it's it was created mm. in this pressure environment, as well as everything else in the filming and editing. I think mm-hmm. um, what was the message? Eh? Spend more, t- get get as much time as you can in uh, development as well.
1: Yeah. Yes.
0: Really if you, can. If if you can, you can, more yeah. Time. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, Lucinda, can we have more time? Is what we're saying constantly. I think I think you're absolutely right. I think once when we're in that pressure cooker, though. You can't help but go, oh my God, I've got no choice now. Mm. This is it. We are making it. We want to make films. Someone's given us this opportunity and hey, we have two weeks. We have a month. We have two months. Whatever it may be, you go, I have to finish it in this time. Therefore, that pressure cooker, suddenly the creative juices in us, flow. We stop doing everything else. We might stop playing football for a bit. We'll stop whatever it is. All those other things we love to do, you know, procrastinating, watching Netflix and just go, do you know what? I'm going to fully concentrate. And I think that's when I'm most alive. I love diving in and going, right, I've got to spend two, three weeks on this project now because I'm filming in four. So if I don't, the actors <laughs> can't get the script in time. They can't, it's, it's true. And suddenly you just put everything into it and you're alive. You're going, you know everything about the script. And I imagine that helps you, Ben, as well, just before you're about to shoot because now you know everything about the script you've you've gone through it in fine detail
3: absolutely
0: and 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 then you get a wonderful
3: cast like we had which we, oh, you know yeah. was just great And the, the performances i think of some one of the strongest elements of the performances and the script are really the strongest yeah. elements here but but then you yeah. get a, a, a cast you know who are used to doing some bigger hollywood movies and all the rest of it and they want to do six or seven takes and they want to mm. talk longer about it and they want to take time and they would and, and suddenly and that sort of that's a challenge, I think, uh, on mm. this film and on all indie films. I think is having the time to try things on set and, and explore. If we explored something and it didn't work, well, that was the what we had to use because the mm. next day we were onto the next bit. You mm. know what I mean? And so, on that note, though, we all said at the beginning we'd rather fail, being brave and trying new things and being going out there and. Than just sort of knock something out in a paint my numbers way, so I think the audience would have to be the judge of whether we did or not but um, well
0: i'm I'm one of those audiences, and I think you have achieved that massively, so uh, I give it uh what shall we say uh, seven <laughs> percent <laughs> <laughs>
2: whilst we're on cast can we um, can we can we just talk about cast a little bit obviously you you've mentioned how wonderful they were and Ben, I think Stephen Moya was the first cast. In the movie. Was
0: this before, sorry, Lucinda, was this before the script was finished or was this a case of you could get Stephen on the premise or was it a case of, no, let me read the script first?
3: Stephen will Stephen. always read the script first, yes. Yeah. Stephen had a lot of notes as well. The the draft that we shot had a lot of S. Moyer in it. Wow, okay, great. It was Yeah, it's good. So there was a, a, an element, being Stephen's a director and a producer, a very good one in both those things of his own right, you know, mm. and he, mm. so, and obviously done a lot of this thing this business Mm -hmm. and so he and then he had thoughts and look did we get on with him or was i feeding back from him to you i can't remember what we had one we had one,
1: um, one yeah where there was he all three you meant get of on us. zoom
0: with him rather than did we get on with him <laughs> just clarify i that, wouldn't on speak a to
1: him at all when everything had to go through ben yeah. because uh, <laughs> we
0: just really didn't get
1: on no no <laughs> <laughs> um, we had one um, discussion with all three of us and that was actually after the first cast read through
2: Oh yeah, so you everything guys before on. that had
1: been, yeah, Ben, you were like a go-between. You were sort of Casio to, uh, to Stephen's Iago.
0: Nice. <laughs> yeah. Nice
2: quote
1: yeah. there.
0: Yeah, so look, with Stephen Moyer there, also in the cast, Alec Newman, Andrew Tin and Michael Higgs, uh, Jamie Kenner, Max Rottersley as we mentioned, Jennifer Martin, uh, Ian Sharp, Sam Newman, Melissa Batchelor. You know, a lot of these people we've worked with, uh, Melissa's in Three Day Millionaire, Ian's oh, in uh, Arthur s- and Merlin. Oh, his own film. Uh, <laughs> j- j- uh, they're yours as well. <laughs> oh, <yeah>. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> uh, Jennifer Martins in Wolves of War You Ronan know I mean? wow. uh, Summers in Arthur of Merlin and really interesting with with Ronan as well he's playing both Ronnie and Reggie Cray I think we'll come back to that in a minute because the technicalities of that and how you did it are fascinating but your cast is brilliant 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 cast and it's really interesting you said how it was because they really liked the script they really wanted to get their teeth in and I think that's the lesson as well for any screenwriters or producer directors out there is that If the script is brilliant and solid, actors want to do it because it might be something different for them and they get their teeth in. It's not your regular film, as you've said. And that's really important. You know, the better script you can have. And I know it's like saying... Ugh, close your curtains at a night, but it's really important that uh, it's really not, but um, not
2: like that at all.
0: It's really no. not, but in terms of getting your script to a solid state and not sending it out before it's not ready, and the fact that you guys didn't have any time but yet you still delivered this amazing script. Let's just talk about the script then for a little bit more. So, you're, you're a year before you actually today, I think, uh, a year ago, and you're there in the Caribbean and you're writing it, but at that point, how are you? Writing, it's not like you're just there writing it. Sorry, you came back to the UK and carried on as well. But what's your process when you now got the gig? Lucinda said, here's the gig type thing. What do you do? First things first is we we wanted to, we wanted to get as good a treatment
1: um as possible. And we were really detailed with that on this piece. And I think for this piece in particular, where so much of it is character, but there is a lot of plot in there and there's also quite a lot of detail within sort of the case. I don't want to say too much, if that makes sense, you know, mm-hmm. about sort of the, the intricacies of it. But there are some complexities towards uh, the end. Um, so we kind of wanted to have as, as detailed a treatment for that side of things uh, as possible. So there was a lot of work on that. I think we went probably as many, if more, drafts on the treatment than on the actual script itself. I think. And then obviously we did quite a, a, a detailed scene by scene breakdown as well beforehand. I think just also because I was going out to the Caribbean, it meant that I had as much detail as possible going out there that I wasn't, you know, getting because there, you know, there were two things going on out there. And I didn't want to do a job badly for on either side, if that makes sense, because obviously I, you know, I'd, I was being paid to work as an actor out there and I didn't want to be kind of go, right, I'm going to go on set and do a terrible job because I'm putting all of my focus on this script that I'm doing in the evenings and the, the other days. I
0: love that. And does that mean that when you came to write it, actually put it down because you've done so much work in the treatment stage and in the uh, scene by scene breakdowns, it was easier then to sort of put things down and, and get your script solid. You would have thought that, wouldn't you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah
2: it, was, it
1: was not that easy. Logo. I
0: was hoping you'd yeah, say yes. but no.
1: <laughs> I, I was hoping I'd be able to, looking back. Um, no, the first draft was still really difficult and i don't know if that was because of sort of the other work i don't know if it was there was just sort of this a little bit of kind of pressure but Mm. then but i got to the stage where i was just like get anything on the page just get anything on the page and then we can work it and work it and work it and the first draft was uh, a dog's dinner um but as is the case Mm. always Once you've kind of got something on the page, then you have something to work with. And so you've got a bit of clay to mould there. Um, And they gradually improved draft by draft.
0: That's, yeah, it's fascinating. and very honest Even you. And I totally agree with you. I think it's so important to just get that first draft done. It's like your first edit, you know, that assembly edit. It's going to be terrible. You're going to look at it and go, this is crap. And they call it a vomit (laughs) draft or a vomit edit. And it usually is, but that's okay. You've now in a place where you can now go make it better but if you haven't even done that if you haven't put your vomit draft down you're never in a place to go make it better because you're always procrastinating saying one day i'll write a script and the fact <laughs> you just went solid, it i will do this i suppose at this point you have been commissioned though so it's slightly <laughs> different yeah, yeah, than just on a, on a whim yeah there's a bit more pressure how did you feel about that then how did you feel about that pressure because technically it's your first feature film as well right as a yeah. screenwriter
3: just on the other side of that though before you answer that luke it was because of that, I, from my side of receiving Luke's draft, I didn't think it was a dog's dinner at all. And I think hmm. because we had worked so hard on getting the structure and the scene-by-scene scene down, something Luke's great at, is, as, and you'll see it in the thing, is dialogue. When if you watch the film, his dialogue is really, really great, and whether it's his acting background or his musicians, rhythms in, in music, hmm. whatever that might be. So it was a, I, I used to really look forward to getting Luke's drafts because the sort of structure was basically there. It was just how was that going to be sizzly and 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 sort of work with fireworks between the characters you know because the story was basically down i think I think you did it much better than you you remember. <laughs> Uh, there, there you go. You. <laughs>
1: Thank you, Ben. No, great. 7%. <laughs> 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 well, it's eight hey to ten, 10 now. 8% now. Eight percent now. Wow. yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, now I can't
0: remember what your question was. What did you, you ask him inter- before? Well, in terms of the fear and that factor of the fact, you, the first time right, first time commissioned, the pressure. Talk us through that and how you coped, because it's something we often overlook. Um, and actually, it's a really important, vital part, especially with mental health these days in, in terms of filmmaking and being alone and going, oh, my God, how am I going to to do this how did you how did you cope do you know i think i don't
1: think i coped brilliantly <laughs> but mm-hmm. i think because i didn't have much time i i think it would have been slightly different if i wasn't um out shooting something as well because mm-hmm. i think i'd have had a lot more time just to kind of get inside my own head and sort of you know plant those seeds of doubt but because i just I, i've like i've got two hours today because of the amount of time i'm on set I have to write. And then sort of the next day it's like, right, I've got two days off now. So I need to get as much done as I possibly can because, you know, the deadline for the, um, for the script to be in the first draft was at the end of the month and I was out there for the whole month. So I don't think I had an opportunity or any time Mm. to really allow myself to be that negative it was just like all everything was go 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 go. come on men come on <laughs> come on,
0: on i <laughs> <Yeah, it's> <laughs> sorry i thought you were singing them for a minute i mean yeah. you were
2: you were very you didn't share any fears or non-coping thoughts at all um to myself but i suppose yeah you were just Plowing on, getting on with it.
0: Yeah, and we're on slightly different diet time zones as well. Yeah, but don't you think we do that as creatives? And maybe we shouldn't. But maybe I suppose maybe to our our bosses in inverted commas, we do. We 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 don't share too much. But I definitely think we need the outlet, whether it's a friend or someone else, that we can actually say, do you know, what? I'm struggling here. Yeah. And the more we can do that, the better. Cause someone like say, Ben straight away went, No, no, your first dress great, mate. It's it's fine. And I hope I imagine you shared with Ben a lot of this as well, but maybe you didn't and maybe we should do this more as as filmmakers, is just go, do you know I'm actually struggling here. I'm, I am i don't know. And we have this there's this whole fear factor of someone will then go, oh, well, you're not good enough. Uh, you're not going to make it in this industry. Yeah. But Actually, it, we all feel it. We're all there. The whole imposter syndrome constantly is on our back. We never think we're good enough. We never think we're able to do this. And every time we write a new script or go onto set to direct something, we always go, oh my God. We just do. They're going to find us out. They're going to find us out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
2: So you said... you. They're going to find us out. We've been blagging all these
0: years. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm only 7% and I really (laughs) don't want to... I'm going to keep using that now. Um, So your process of actually putting things down on paper, uh, like say... You're an actor and a very good actor. So are you looking to sort of the bits of dialogue that you've always used and the natural rhythms? Is that something you go, look, I Because really, that was one so, something that stood out massively in the film as well, was how great the dialogue was and how bouncy and just real and natural, especially because there's so many dialogue, dialects from different areas, you know, with the Scottish, the London thing and and, and the Northern... And I thought that was really interesting. How do you sort of go, what's my dialogue and what's, what's my day-to-day process of actually filling in the blanks?
1: Yeah, that comes sort of in later drafts for me. I sort of, uh, in terms of, kind, you know, in terms of rhythms and things along those lines. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm always kind of picking stuff up. I think that maybe, I think Ben mentioned about sort of being an actor. And I think I'm always listening to people. I'm, I'm not, I'm a bit of a parrot. In in a way, and, and I sort of soak that kind of stuff up. And then when it comes to actually writing, you know, so when I'm really kind of trying to get, I'm not, I'm not sure what it is to even try and make some life into a character, or whatever. I think I play them all. I think I'll, you know, mm. so, so I think I just kind of go right. I'm gonna I'm gonna do a draft, and this in this draft I am Nipper, and we will go. You know, I say we, but yeah, me, me, and me being Nipper, me we'll and go me, through, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll go me it, and my yeah. alter ego, me. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Me myself That's and very I. I it? Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, and then yeah, and then I'll do it from and all the other, and, and I do and I and I, and I kind of um, I sort of improvise sort of around sort of scenes and it's almost as though I'm kind of having a little dialogue myself with the uh, the characters.
3: What's really great is it, it really works as well because it translates into, as you say, into the dialogue and into. There's a couple of monologues in the movie. There was one particular one, Stephen's. Talking about Nipper and his childhood, and he's uh-huh. using his sort of stories about himself to try and wheedle some evidence out of a uh, witness. And he, um, it's this brilliant monologue. And I come up, obviously, with his fancy way of shooting it. And he was going <laughs> to go over here and then over there, cut to a close up, and all the rest of it. This, and then Steve said, No, 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 look, no. this monologue is great. Just put a camera and I'll shoot and I'll say it.
0: <laughs> Don't ruin my a monologue, <laughs> basically. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, no, it's just.
3: And you can't do that unless you've gone through this process Luke's talked about, about yes. going through its character and giving it life, giving it authenticity and rhythm. I think authenticity was really part, a big part of this as well, actually. I yeah. was really worried about that particular
1: piece, that, that part. I was worried that it just wasn't going to work. And I thought, am I being a bit, you know, is this being a bit too sort of, I don't know what the word is, um, kind of not, not, you know a bit, a bit too self-involved if that makes sense you know mm-hmm. and i was i was a little bit wild, but, but and then I, I watched it and i was like oh my god no it it says so much about sort of nipper and the interesting thing is, is like is he telling the truth or is he lying because he's mm-hmm. trying to get you know and and I, and I and that just all of that kind of really worked in that moment and i and i, and I was so close to kind of not Having that in there, if that makes sense, I was thinking, "Oh, it's a bit too self-indulgent. I'm being a bit too kind of, you know." I, yes. was, I was like, let's, "Let's get rid of that." So I'm really glad you said that,
3: Ben, because I was you'll like- know, Giles, when you when you see like a massive chunk of monologue on a script, mm-hmm. yep. you're, you're immediately you you sets up alarm bells, right? Which we did yep. for me too, yeah. yeah I remember of that, but we because it was. Nicely written. I didn't know how good until we actually got on set. And sometimes you have to put it into an actor's mouth to really see. You really thing. do, yes. And uh, yeah. and then when we got it there, every word of it stayed in and stayed in the cut. And then we and it, it's, it's it's one of my favourite little bits actually. To be
0: fair, like, isn't that fascinating how we as directors or writers we imagine a certain thing when we're writing it or looking at it and we go right i could do this with it and the camera needs to sweep from here uh, to here yeah. because otherwise it'll be boring but actually sometimes you can stick a camera on an actor with a really cool bit of dialogue and just let it sit because they can deliver and the writing's strong enough and the camera does the work there it is um, and that sometimes right. we can get too bogged down in that stuff Fascinating. I'll come back to that in a minute because I I do want to talk about your transitions and everything that you magically did, Ben. Uh, But, uh, Luke, I remember... I... I like to write with other people i much prefer Mm. it writing on my own i can get i don't know i i I, that's why i asked you the question because you can get lost and you can get frightened and it sounds like you and ben could bounce off each other which is amazing constantly to have that and actually um i've written a comedy with noel sullivan who you were in um ordinary lies with yeah he's great and me and him bouncing backwards all the time it was great but what you talked about there was acting the characters out me and noel would do it all the time. It helps that we, you know, I was an actor and he is an actor, but that, doing that, and I think it was a great technique for screenwriters to do. And if you don't, if you can't do that yourself, find an actor to read it through with you. But me and him would do that. We ended up finding the characters that suited us the best and then feeling the connection with those particular characters and then going, that line doesn't feel right for me. Like like I'm playing (laughs) these roles. And I love that you did that too. And I think it's important that we do that. We sort of just read it out loud. As soon as you say i out loud to record it, and Jim Cummings does this, he does a podcast of his own voice reading all the characters. Wow. Well, you soon know when you're editing that together if it works or not.
1: That's true. That know when you said that about it working, if it works mm. or not, and that's the thing is, if I can make it work, you know, so I feel like if I can make it work and if it, and if it does, then, then I know that it can be done, if that makes sense. Because there's sometimes you do worry about like, is this going to, is this going to translate? Does this work? Uh, is this mm-hmm. going to be possible? And I sort of feel like that's the litmus test. It's like, if I can do it, it can be done. There you go. Yeah. I, I know that, I know that it will work because there's sometimes you do and it doesn't work and then you have to, you know, edit it, change it. Yeah. And you keep yes. doing that until till you find something that actually, you
0: know, makes sense. Feels natural yeah. and nice. Yeah. Lucina, what were you doing during this time? So you as the producer, you've come to Luke and Ben, you've brought them on board. Uh, how, how is it for you when you're waiting for that first draft or you're getting that first draft what are you going through at this time what's your process because by the sounds of it you weren't far away from filming itself so therefore are you already starting to prep and look at locations with Ben
2: what was I doing hoping it would be good (laughs) at least seven percent of it I think Luke and I were talking every couple of weeks um because I don't like to keep you know, bothering a writer when he's trying to, you know, work and, and be bothered by the producer. And we're
0: all, all three of us here are very grateful for that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank
2: you. But I was having a lot of dialogue with Ben. We were speaking to our execs a lot because we had to cast, whilst the writing process was going on because wow. we were so close okay. to filming, and we lost our location. We were actually shooting in Suffolk, and then we had to find a different location in right. Wales, which we did. How long did you have
0: between the fact that you've you've got this draft happening? You're trying to cast. You're looking at locations. How long away are you from filming at that point? A month. A month. Oh my gosh, that pressure huge.
2: We shot for fourteen days.
0: You wait. You you shot this movie in fourteen days.
2: Yeah. That's well, impressive. we had a window with Stephen um, and Alec, Alec mm. Newman. So we kind of had to get it done. Stephen had flown over from LA. He had to isolate for 10 days. Um, mm-hmm. And thank God he tested negative. Um, at, oh, yeah. Say be nothing worse. Yeah. With, that's that's
0: uh, nearly most of our 14 days gone where we can't use you. Thank you very much. Appreciate that.
2: <laughs> yeah. And him being in every wow. day. So, yeah, no, we had a month. Yes. Own. We could only really cast... I think Alec, I think it was Stephen Moyer first. It was Ian Sharp second we cast. Ronan, because we weren't sure about... We had actually gone out to um, real twins actors. Um,
0: oh, had you? Oh, okay.
2: But they weren't quite right. And Ronan, we always loved. Um, <laughs> as Charles and I have worked with Ronan on three-time BAFTA-nominated Kate Modern back in the day. So uh, we Along all,
0: with Ralph Little. There yeah. you go, yes. <laughs> so we all know what wonderful
2: actor he is. And he was so passionate about the role and he kept saying, oh, I want it, I want it, I want it. But the difficulties of not using brothers or actors that look like each other or twins is 14 days, one actor, both roles. Mm -hmm. You've got to shoot everything twice. So during that month, we were trying to work that out. Ben was like, oh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? He's so good. Oh, but how are we going to do it? So with that whole month to try and find, you know, lock the new location, try and find teams that because things had opened up again with filming Mm -hmm. so people were working it was it was a heavy going month wasn't it ben actually
3: yeah and going up to soho to you know get in the vfx studio and try face replacements head replacements trying to put my face onto the vfx guy's face so that we could work out how to switch his face keep the same performance going, but do this sort of deep faking almost. Mm-hmm. And then we thought, do we have them both stand there with a stand-in and literally cut Ronan's head off and put it onto the other thing, which we do do in several takes, actually. No way. So there's, wow. there's a whole kind of figuring out a whole kind of range of different VFX techniques to have one actor playing two people on you know, a month of pre-prods on an indie budget you know, not, not, not with any of the sort of toys that you have if you were doing a movie for a year.
0: Yes, exactly. And it, do you know what? It comes across so well, because we can't help it as people, generally, when you know it's the same actor playing the same role or two, two you know, brothers or twins. You can't help but watch. You can't help to go, how did they cut that? Mm. Where's the moment? Where's this? And Ronan is so good in this that you just like... I love I loved watching it and love watching the tricks that you did Ben and working out how you did that. It's just kind of a joy you go yeah they succeeded that was cool. I mean obviously at the time it must have been frightening right? You must have been like how am I going to really do this? And like you say you were doing all those tricks but a month of prep is really tough. Uh, especially if you didn't know locations. As Lucinda
3: said, on set, you literally shoot in every shot twice. Yeah. You know, with right. a half hour makeup change in between. So how oh did make that work? Because he was wearing, had prosthetics up his nose and all his hair and different sort of bits of plastic and cotton wool in, inside his nostrils and in his cheeks to change the shape of his face, which was then digitally enhanced later. So there were lots of sort of little fiddlings with it. And to be fair to Ronan, of course, his performance underpins that they are mm-hmm. really different performances. And that's one of the things that had that not worked, we'd have been in real trouble, but it did. Thank goodness. So anyway, so having to wait half an hour for all that stuff to happen, like in between shooting the same shot, it's not even like we've only got half a shot. Cause if he's there's two people in it, it's, it yeah. was, I wouldn't recommend it.
0: No, I wouldn't. Cause Joe Stringer was first AD who um, first AD for us on Wolves of War. Um, was written by was ben he, Which is written by Ben Moll. Did, did you, did you? 9%. Yeah. Yeah, hey, no, no, <laughs> Did you um have to go? Okay, you and Joe would go, all right, well, let's shoot uh, Ronan's close up as Reggie first. Let's spin it round, come round onto steven next, maybe do a wide, let's see what else we can do. And then when Ronan's ready, come back and do his close up. Were you constantly thinking like that for all those shots with him?
3: Totally. And also, some of them are lock-offs, so you can't move the camera or any oh, lights because you'll see course. shadows moving in the back of the set. So you, that set then becomes dead. So then you've mm-hmm. got to go and find something else to shoot on a different set yeah. with what have we got left on the lighting truck and the camera truck we can still <laughs> use while Ronan's in makeup, while the, all the rest of the lamps and the camera gear and the dolly and the track, you name it, are Are sort of literally nailed to the floor Mm. on the set for the lock off for the um, for the effect shot. Joe did a great job of. of, of, To be fair, everybody mucked in on it. Mm -hmm. We knew that we had to get it done, uh, and we knew that there was no way round it. And everybody was makeup. Brody did an amazing job. Brody's great. Brody's fantastic.
0: Brody Mayhew. Everyone. Fantastic.
3: Brody Mayhew, and she did an amazing job not only creating the two looks for the two brothers, but also turning them around in. You know, by the end of it, she was turning around in sort of 10, 15 minutes instead of the half an hour, which obviously saved us across a day, an hour or two. Yes.
0: So important. And who's your DOP? As well, is it Phil? Alibone, Pete Alibone. Uh, okay. Who I think
3: did an amazing job too. The uh, the the uh, stills, I don't know if people are seeing them attached to this. Or, well, you can see the film probably. You can see the film oh, now the when this comes out. December. Yes, second, yes. It's
0: December, now nice it's Christmas. Happy Christmas everyone. <laughs> We've been like yeah, recording like this before. <laughs> yeah.
3: he, uh, he absolutely hated me and Joe though because he wanted to, <laughs> obviously we're working to try and get it done in 14 days with yeah. one actor playing two parts. Mm. So he was always under pressure. And like yes. always like oh, you know that thing when you're like, well I'll have to kind of it will have to do now, it will have to do now and mm-hmm. and, and that's tiring. It is tiring. Like us, it's, it's hard. It was brilliant. We were watching it going, oh my god, it looks amazing. It looks mm. amazing. But mm-hmm. so, so great job him really.
0: Totally great job.
3: Can
2: I say something about Ronan as well, just to step in whilst we're on the Ronan cray situation. Um for anybody that is gonna watch the movie, Ronan is actually American. So he has an American accent. We were obviously worried that, and he was worried as well, and I think he's very pleased. I will speak to him later to see if he is happy. Um, But his accent is really, you know, spot on, and that must have been a very hard uh, process for him. He's one of the UK's top voiceover artists, but that's not easy to do.
0: It's not. And fair play to him. On Arthur Mellon, he was English as well. But here it's the craze. It's very specific. People know what they sound like. Ben, for you, that must have been, and I think with most of your cast, generally we're always worrying about our cast, but did you think, "Ah, is this going to be how am I going to do this? You must've been looking for someone who looked like Ronan as well to potentially make your life a lot easier when filming this as well. So we
3: do have, there is a stand in who does look a little bit like Ronan. Actually, it's funny. I've got, I'm just looking at some old pictures. Actually, I've got hundreds of pictures of the back of runners heads (laughs) and their ear shapes and loads of them. it's like, you know, I want to work on an indie film as a runner, which is not the best paid job in the world. So you're already kind of like trying to get people. And then you ask them to send photos of their ears mm-hmm. the back of their heads and the shapes of their shoulders. They're like, why? What? Happened? Yeah, why? What do you want that
1: for,
0: you weirdo? You're sending complaints to Equity. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is this the it turns out? Yeah, that- really. He keeps asking for pictures of my ears, man. I don't think I'm going to do this job. <laughs> uh, it's like Tarantino but- and his feet fetish you're like (laughs) what are your ears like you know on my standings you've got nice back of ears as well not even front not even side (laughs) (laughs) so trying yeah trying to
3: find those standings to make that work was was another yet another thing we had to do on the list of Of things to to do that and then of course obviously our main job Luke's and mine and Lucinda's something, is making a an emotional story for Nipper Because he's The, the, the craze of the, For those who haven't seen this The craze of the baddies they're the, And we're following the cops Trying to get them mm-hmm. But don't Which is Which is I'd certainly The way we all wanted to tell Come to the story From that point of view Because that felt fresh But um, So we kind of it, We had to Luke in the writing, me in the directing, and everyone on the set had to remember that don't get obsessed with the technicality and who what the ears look like and mm-hmm. is Ronan doing the two parts. Thank God he handled that brilliantly. Because remember, the story is really Nipper and Alex and Ian Chart. Mm-hmm. story. So to not waste no, I wouldn't start to waste, but not if you spend too much time getting the effects shot right and not Nipper's performance yes. good, yeah. then you've you've just got an effect show real and you haven't got a movie. And that's that's was so that was Something we always had to remember is allowing time for them to play. And as you know, great actors want several takes. They want to try things different ways. They and and, and they should. And that's that's the best way to get the best rounded character out of them.
0: I love that because we when we're on set, we can get bogged down in the bits and pieces. The, yeah, the exactly. smaller minutiae of does the back of this head look right? Does that prop look right? Does this when actually it all those types of things where when you read in the edit, it doesn't really matter you can as long as you're telling the story and you're concentrating like you said they're bent absolutely 100 right on your nipper character and on the ian sharp and uh, alec newman characters because they're the ones that are telling the story it's through their eyes so suddenly you're spending too long on these intricate details great you made that look amazing but we now don't care about your lead characters and i think that's so important that we don't forget our story and our vision when we're on set because we can easily do it, can easily get pulled away by, he said, she said, and the bullshit of the stuff that happens on a set. But as the director or the writer or the producer, you've just got to concentrate on what is the story we're telling here? What is the end result? And I love that you said that, Ben.
3: Also on the twins, you know, it's Ronan, to focus on Ronan and the performance and the mm. character of that twin different to the other twin, rather than just high-fiving each other because of the effect shot work. Exactly.
0: Yeah, Exactly. That's great. And for you, Luke, then at, at this point, are, are you coming to set? Because now, I mean, we never really talked about you finishing the script. We talked about that hard moment when you are going, oh, you know, and you're delivering it. But did you come to set? Did you come and have a look to see what was going on? Briefly, for several reasons. Mm. Um,
1: number one, you're a big time actor oh, yeah. yeah 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 that's <laughs> it no, number Caribbean. one i'm just way too busy and, uh, <laughs>
0: <laughs> to give a shit
1: <laughs> no Not number one because of um, there was the whole covid situation obviously sure. so you yeah. can't just willy you know i couldn't just come down willy-nilly and sort of keep poking my head in and all that kind of business mm-hmm. another one was again the time and i knew that they were under so much pressure to sort of get it done in the time and i didn't really want to be taking up people's you know, oh crap, the writers here, everyone's got to, you know, say hello to Luke, everyone. And you know what I mean? Like, I sort of felt quite mindful of that. And I don't know if that was actually something I needed to be mindful of, but in the back of my head, I was kind of like, I don't want to be a distraction. And the other thing as well, though, is also because my partner was on the shoot Mm -hmm. as well. And again, I sort of, I was like, okay, now this is your turn to sort of be part of it and I don't again want to come in and be like yeah it's not about you now it's about you know it's about me again and all that kind of thing. I kept th- I sort of think about that kind of stuff I don't want you know I don't want to be sort of in the way I don't want to be sort of pulling focus or anything like that I was just like you know you guys need to go and do your thing and the other thing as well is that Ben you said something quite early on you were saying about oh so when it comes in set and I can chat to Luke about this that and the other and I sort of thought oh I don't want to again I want Ben to do like I, with a script for me I always feel like it's like a blueprint Mm. so I've I've given a blueprint and then you know as like a bit of an artist but then you're going to go and play and do different, different things of it and I sort of wanted that to happen I wanted to be able to come and watch this film like you Giles as a fan or as someone mm. who just wants to watch a good movie mm. and I didn't necessarily want to kind of the, the being part of the set and the illusion kind of gets taken away and, and you're sitting there sort of thinking oh i remember how that happened mm, yeah, i was there that day that was, yeah saw, yeah exactly yes, that yes. kind of business and i sort of wanted to be like that little kid mm. i've written a film for mm. crying out loud and i'm gonna get to watch this and <laughs> yes. see what everyone's done with it and to, and i did and there was like i was like welling up in moments wow. i i loved it that much i think the like the setup of it, that sort of first 40 minutes where mm-hmm. everything kind of sets everything up for that, for what happens at the end. And it needs to be set up. You need to be enjoying the film. You need to be having fun almost yep. for the rest, for that ending to work. If that yes. makes it, And And again, I, I don't want to be saying too much. I don't want to be giving anything away. I think Ben has done such an amazing job of pulling you into this world and you falling in love with sort of Nippa and the cops, and, and you definitely, and also mm-hmm. hate not hating the craze, but they are monsters and they are the baddies, and you <laughs> want them to get their comeuppance. And I think that world is set up so wonderfully. And yeah, I, I remember watching it, I was just like, I like I had tears in my eyes watching, just thinking, this has been Brilliant, and I sort of feel if I'd have been there all the time, mm. it, I maybe would have sort of lost that little kid at Christmas sort of thing opening no the present.
0: Yeah, because you'd have seen the things that were going wrong on set, because that's what happens on a movie set. You know, when we watch a movie. Oh, and
2: there was a lot went wrong. <laughs> oh, well, let's, lot. well, let's
0: get into that quickly. Let's talk about Lucinda. What actually went right? Yes, Lucinda. Let's talk about what went right. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> might be
2: easier. No, no I, can't, I can't remember so every, right. <laughs> For me, as a producer. Uh, and by the way, Luke, I was so nervous for you to watch the movie. Um, Cause obviously I, I, I very much respect Luke. So mm. I respect his opinions. And um, so I'm, I'm very pleased that you were happy with uh, the work that Ben Mo and myself and the team did. Um, but yeah, so what went wrong? Everything went wrong. Everything. Because well, one, yep. the location change was, was very hard on us. Um, Cause we had to take everybody. And it's, it, it, you know, some of the regular team we worked with, which was wonderful, but we had to take everybody from one place to another for a start, doing the the lack of days that we had to shoot. And we had the smallest crew I think we've ever worked with, apart from behind the line, Escape to Dunkirk, which Ben and I did together back in 2019. It was a very, very, there was only two of us in the production office.
0: Wow okay
2: well three of us i think david harvey rick gordon and myself it was a cold warehouse we were in wales we it was it was really tough i found it one of the hardest shoots i've ever done
0: really is that cuz it was so cold and miserable in there cuz when you're shoot it's even that like i said i mentioned this earlier the fact that this warehouse looks incredible and Luke, you'll totally agree and i don't even know if you imagined it to look as good as that It just has the depth of all the windows and the characterness. I love rundown buildings like that with pools of water everywhere. It's just brilliant. It looks great on film, but it's an absolute shitter to film in.
3: So that was going back to what Luke was saying about the mythology of the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And we wanted it to feel almost like a sort of massive epic castle or a sort of inside a labyrinth. We've used that word a lot as we were looking for the locations. Cause it's, it's sort of a representation of his what's in his mind as well as a You know, a good location. So it's got all, there's lots of shadows and dark bits and corners and we don't quite know where to go and passageways that seem to lead off to this way or that way and doors that are locked or not locked, you know, so there's, it was, it was part of kind of bringing a bit of kind of urban sixties mythology to the craze, which is, Mm -hmm. you know, great that we were allowed to be able to follow Luke's initial idea about the mythology, you know, making that a myth building exercise right through
0: into the location and the filming of it which is brilliant brilliant that is that is brilliant well listen you were talking there about how the difficulties and the location and stuff and you're just there in the office and you say why was it difficult why was this one of the toughest shoots Because so i remember when you actually asked me to watch this you said i'm really proud of this i hope you like it i put a lot of my heart and soul into this and everything what- yeah it was
2: definitely a labor of love yeah
0: tell us why
2: i mean as, as you know you know just Picture Perfect, we, we've, we've done a lot of films and this is definitely, I think for me, I'm the proudest of this movie that any we've ever done. It's really hard to now think back of the stress levels that we were all going through, or my personal journey on this. Um, I was at the end on most days, I really was. And I, it's hard to kind of remember why because I'm so pleased with how it's turned out. So you try mm-hmm. and forget all of those things because it doesn't matter anymore you know, what we pulled off on no budget, micro budget, whatever you want to call it, is quite uh, incredible because it really was, you know, one of the lowest budgets we've ever worked on, Um, which is always, we talk about the budgets like you did earlier, Ben, it's tough, you know, and you're trying to engage all these wonderful individuals and, you know, they're they're worth so much more and you, you can't offer them more and we're trying and it turned out to be, there's a, there's a behind the scenes video, actually, that somebody did and they stuck it on Facebook. And I yeah, thought, wow, I, I didn't remember it like that because I was in this <sighs> whole dark cloud of my own. And then all of a sudden you realise, wow, everyone had such a different experience to what you thought they were having. And at the end they all went, so what are we doing next, guys? And I was like, haven't you had enough? Yeah, you want to do more? <laughs> Isn't that
0: fascinating how we see things just through our eyes and what we're seeing? And you forget there's a whole other world going on with everyone who's on set is having their own little world within that world. And you can be having a really tough time, but no one else knows you, especially as a producer. You can't let anyone else know you're having a tough time. Producer's the one person who is actually, it, it's really difficult mm. because you've got to hold everyone else's problems and people always come to you with the issues and you've got to try and deal with them.
2: Well, nobody the producer how they are doing. never
0: and that's a lesson for everyone if you are uh, uh, not a producer on a film set do go ask the producer how they're doing just go bring them something honestly it makes it feel so special because constantly you're getting shit. <laughs> it's really tough so ben let's talk about the directing side of making a film like this in 14 days is is tough it's, it stretches the brain to think in different ways obviously it helps that a lot is in the same location and i imagine I'm putting it out there at the moment that you shot pretty much all of it in that location and then around there. Uh, I certainly hope so for <laughs> moving around with me in that nightmare. I like to spend time in locations and have a little, you know, as the director and go, okay, if I, the more I spend time in locations, I see where I want the camera to move or I go, well, this could work. And obviously the actors come in and change that. And that's cool as well. You adapt. For you then did you get much time in there and how obviously we talked on a previous podcast about your techniques and stuff but the transitions you did were incredible it's basically what i'm trying to get to with this long-winded stupid ass Mm. question i'm going with here um i loved your transitions on this film and i wanted to know how you thought about those and how you managed to pull them off basically
3: i mean thank you for saying that you you liked them because that was a dice roll it really was a dice roll and and we, and it's, we said to Lucinda and Luke and I and Stephen and the, Pete, the DOP and everybody, Jamie in the, in the art department said at the beginning that we'd rather fail. We, let's put these in. We don't have the budget to come and reshoot them if they don't work. But mm-hmm. let's put them in and, and fail trying rather than fail being safe. So we tried to go for be brave with the, with the way those looked and those, mm-hmm. those uh, transitions and cuts between bits. There's a couple that are, you know, that I'd want back. And there are a couple that are
0: great. And that's 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 brilliant i
2: hope the execs that's, that's didn't hear that we just rolled the dice <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think what Ben's saying is he didn't go, oh, let's just see if this works. You knew that you had the idea of how it would work. But the fact, the execution of them, I, I thought was excellent. I really thought it was excellent.
3: There, there was another thing, and, 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 I, and I hope it comes through to the audience, is that one of the things we, I never ever wanted to do with this, and Luke didn't either, was do a, a day, a diary, a list of events in the craze life. It would have just been, it would have been a impossible to shoot on the money and B, a sure. kind of a boring thing you can get that from a book. So we wanted to kind of get inside Nippers head and almost think of it like the whole of the movie is Nippers plan for how to arrest them. And what that did was allow us to be a bit fast and loose with the actual events because if it was just his mm-hmm. plan and never really happened, then we could be a bit more flexible and work to our budget, time, and creativity. So those using those transitions, it's almost like he's sort of thinking of an idea, and then he has another idea, and he, that moves him to another part of the building, or another transition, or another juxtaposition of shots that might be it's sort of sim. it's a sort of outward expression of yeah. Nipper's inner piecing together of the puzzle, basically. We haven't really spoken about Nipper actually. That was one of the things I really loved about Nipple was it you've got this very methodical, reason-driven, shy, internal detective combined with someone who who is quite emotional and gets quite passionate at the end and that was really who the real nipper was this sort of weird double character of those sort of things i thought steven that's a a nightmare to ask an actor to do and i thought he did that brilliantly that the focus of the 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 analytical nipper with the passion of the of the driven nipper and Mm. you know thought he did a great job of that but yes i mean The the transitions are kind of an outward expression of his inner piecing together of the puzzle that he needed to do.
2: We originally didn't have Nipper in those flashbacks. Do you remember, Ben? Oh, Oh, really? really. You Ah. added them later or Luke added them or it came about. So he was telling the story or he was talking to the other coppers, if I remember. And then there was a decision to actually put him in.
1: I do. I remember the discussion because me and and Ben had one of these wonderful long chats that we'd been having. And we put the idea in then about, again, and, and this is really difficult to kind of say without giving away sort of a kind of quite a key part of the story but to do with the trans- transitions and to do with where nipper nipper actually is or where he isn't and we had this discussion and 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 we uh, and then we took it to lucinda and it was a, and we were talking about budget and how do we can we do it is it possible and then we would sort of decided that we were going to kind of maybe go down another route before a draft and then i just went do you know what roll the dice no, ben ben's ben's right and it dice. is good And let's just try something. And I tried one thing in one place. And then Ben came back to me and went. And then Ben came back to me and went, That's 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 it. That's it. And And then we went and redrafted it again. And yeah, yeah. Amazing it's just one thing in one place. I was like, they're not gonna I I was really (laughs) frightened. I was frightened, I was like, I wasn't gonna and Ben just came back straight away and went, No, 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 do that. And then yeah, we went, we went back and done it. And then Ben has then done. He's, you know, he's kind of gone even further and there's some other moments that weren't even in there where Ben's just done these amazing things as well. It's just
2: I think that's what hooked Stephen, actually. Do you remember Ben and I had a two-hour meeting with Stephen, didn't we, on a Sunday night?
0: Ben's wrecking his brain. <laughs> I like, know, oh, I remember it well. Oh, you remember it, okay.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, well, I did several with Stephen as as well as that i'll never forget on the pub set and on the blind beggar set and Stephen turned to me and we were doing one of these things where Stephen can appear in his own flashbacks which you'll have to watch to understand what that means mm-hmm. and, and he just turned to me and said this is why i'm doing this movie and i thought that was great that to get a, a, a an actor to fly over in the middle of covid from mm-hmm. la who's a insert you know who's you shout his name in a pub people turn around um yeah and he's at that level and that talent he's great to get him to fly over to England in the middle of a pandemic to do these this little mm-hmm. movie in Wales in 14 days because of those kind of bold choices I think that that that, that we put in and that Luke wrote through all the, throughout it you know
0: it says it all doesn't it how again another lesson for our filmmakers be brave be bold yeah definitely. be different right? Because yeah. you just have to. It's yeah. so important. Roll the dice. You've got to roll that dice. Uh, you got to roll the dice and give more than 7%. <laughs>
1: yeah. But I think it's across the board as well, though. So I think like sort of Lucinda did it. She rolled the dice, mm-hmm. first of all, by even coming to me at any stage, I think it's fair to say, um, and going, you know, do you want to give this a go? I think that was a roll. Lucinda had seen examples of my writing, but obviously not in this kind of form if that makes Mm. sense so I think Lucinda was brave and was like you know what I've got a gut feeling and I'm going to take a chance on that. And yeah. then the same with Ben to then come on board with that, you know, and then, and I was thinking that sort of throughout it. And when we were writing, I was thinking, do you know, no, actually, yeah, I need to do that as well. I, there's no point in me yeah, just yeah. writing the kind of simple things. I need to kind of make some bold choices and try something. And then Ben saw that and was like, yeah, brilliant. Cool. And then, and then, and he's done the same thing in terms of you saying some of the transitions and some of the directing and, and like that, that is, yeah, a kind of a big part of, I think what we all need in order to kind of we
2: were allowed as well luke actually if you remember our our, um execs andy lyon andy taylor and michael walker they do allow us and trust us as a team to make the best movie they leave they don't necessarily leave us alone completely because they're part of the team they're part of the process but they do say you guys know what you're doing just make us the best movie you can and so they they allowed us to make those um bold choices I'm not sure they (laughs) put out again after uh, they've
0: (laughs) heard (laughs) this. But that trust is so important. And I suppose you knew, you know, going in that that these guys had already got an idea of how they were going to put the movie out there in the world. So it meant you guys aren't having to sell it. You guys aren't necessarily having to go to disputers. It's already kind of moving forward in that way because they've already got that set up. That must feel nice. I know it does for me sometimes when you know you've already got that platform set up. You're making this movie. It is coming out. You know, they've already given you a deadline. Ben, just touch on that real quick. For you as that filmmaker, because you've had this before, but also uh, not had this as well. So, you know, do you prefer to know that it's got a release date and you know that this this film will be seen by people? Or, hey, we never know. This could, we could get picked up by whoever. Great question,
3: Giles. It's really, it's, it's yeah, it's fascinating. I think there are different kinds of fear, aren't they? One mm-hmm. is like, am I going to deliver what is needed and and the professionalism, you know, what they've paid me to what, within our budget, what, what do, they sure. have spent on making this film. And is that gonna be what, what satisfies that? Whereas in the that so there's fear there and there's fear of not of not doing the good job and, and and the responsibility of that. And on a spec project, obviously there's fear that no one's gonna buy it and then it won't get seen. Mm. i suppose i don't know which is more they're both driving
0: aren't they in a way you've done both haven't you? yes yes
2: i think it's more uh, well, we all puts the fear of god in me to know that there's more pressure what
0: to know you have got it's yes. already solved really
2: i mean it's all exciting and ben mole said it on the last podcast just say yes worry about it later you say yes and you're excited and then you go <laughs> oh shit. <"Hold> <laughs>
0: Oh no. Yeah. Luke, you must've felt that way. Yes. I'd love to write this. Oh shit. Now I've got to yeah, actually yeah. write it. Yeah. And the same with you, Ben. Oh shit. Now we've got to direct it. Of course, but you can do it. And that's the thing. You've just got to trust in yourself. Haven't you sometimes and go, someone's kind of given me an opportunity. I've got to take this with both hands and do it. And, ride
3: and, it. and also remember that, you know, it, it might not be the hundred percent thing that you had in your head circumstances are going to get in the way and be okay with that every Mm. time you write a script you do a part you direct something you put it together you get in the edit every time you do it is a learning thing experience Mm. do it as much as you can do it as often as you can everyone gives you whenever anyone gives you an opportunity to do it take it and do it because you'll learn so much from it and it doesn't it doesn't have to be star Mm. wars every time do you know Mm -hmm. what i mean You, you can still grow through doing these these projects i think that's really important to, totally. to develop careers
0: yeah you've got to have a career with working filmmakers you want to be making films or writing films or producing films that's what we do so, so if you're not doing that you're just kind of saying one day i'll do that it is interesting that whole balance in life uh, luke what have you learned from writing this that you're going to bring into your next film that i imagine you've already written bits and pieces anyway but be interesting to know your thoughts i think it's tr- be again be bold
1: and trust yourself. I think that's a, that's a big thing because I think the things that I take back looking, looking back now is like, oh, okay, yeah, those were the, those were the things that, that actually worked. And those are the things that you kind of look back with most pride are those those things where you kind of you did roll the dice you know uh, and hopefully that's the same thing yeah so in the moments i feel the moments that we we garnered most success in the script are the moments in which the dice is rolled
0: amazing yeah great uh this has been brilliant to chat to you i've loved the open frankness yeah
3: just another thing that people film filmmakers in their careers to be aware of if you're working in the independent world is is sometimes you don't always have the budget to spend as much in post as you'd like mm. and so bfx and an and extra week in edit can count for everything so on this one especially this has been brilliant
0: i've really enjoyed this chat it's been really Me cool too. thank you really good so
2: it's craze code of silence for the uk and it's Code of silence for the international release um oh we must say also um, our composer Christopher Cook was amazing but we also had um a song in the movie from the small black arrows
1: people keep saying oh are you in it why aren't you in it blah all this kind of stuff and it's like oh don't don't you worry uh- I'm <laughs> in mean, there somewhere there's, there's small a black arrows yeah there you yeah. go oh, I've oh, snuck yeah. in I've snuck in
0: you <laughs> have that's your band we'll uh, we'll put a link to that in the show notes oh, I yeah, am amazing definitely Thank do that. You. yeah, yeah that's yeah, cool. great that's cool look uh, we could chat all day this has been amazing Craze Code of Silence is out now go support go watch it uh, I think it's brilliant a really cool Indie film, uh, chamber piece. If you like brilliant acting, great storytelling, clever uh, cinematography and camera work, you're going to love this movie. So if you like a big fan of The Craze, you'll like this movie. And if you're not, you will still like this movie. And therefore, you should go support it. 100%. Ben Mole, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Been a pleasure. Great. Uh, Luke Bailey, thank you very much. Oh no, the the pleasure is all mine. And uh, Lucinda in Rose, thank you.
2: Thank you, Giles
0: Alderson, for being a part. of Seven percent.
2: I was the seven percent.
0: Um, remember, you can go out there and make your movie. You can roll the dice and do it just as the boys have said. And if you're lucky enough to rise up and do well, it is your duty to send the elevator back down we will see you next tuesday as always go support indie films and go try and make your film why not roll the dice make it happen cheers ben cheers luke cheers lucinda see you all bye. see you all bye bye bye